Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. So, Bill, that's my message for listeners of the Weekly Standard Podcast. Good morning and welcome. Uh, good to be with you. Great to hear Winston Churchill. I'm, uh, people make fun of me sometimes, I've noticed, for quoting Churchill too often, but I think you can't go back and look at his career and read his speeches and read about him enough, really. And, you know, after seeing the uh, new CNN poll that shows that nationally almost half of Republicans say they support Donald Trump and even just as profound, the internal show that 70 to 80 percent of those supporters say that their support is firm, unmovable. I needed to hear someone who faced overwhelming odds and overcame them speak to me. So I thought I would start off our conversation with that. No, it's great. It's great. It's great not just to read him and read about him, of course. Uh, there's so much good stuff written, but also uh, to hear the voice. And it's a great thing about having a 20th century hero, not, you know, as opposed to one from earlier earlier times. And that CNN poll is amazing. I don't think I've ever quite seen anything like it. I think 49% of Republicans, I think it's of all adults who call themselves Republicans, but still uh, say they're for Trump, for the nomination. And I think 48% say they certainly or probably won't support him in November. I don't know that there's ever been... Uh, you know, I, I don't remember ever seeing a poll like that. Half the party is for someone for the nomination. I mean, often a quarter might say, you know, I have trouble supporting him in November, then they almost all end up coming around. Some would come around in this case, too, I suppose. But I've never seen half a party being for someone and the other half saying, not only are we not for him for the nomination, we would have real trouble supporting him in November. Maybe with Goldwater in 64, there was that situation. I'm not sure there were, there were polls of that kind, you know, with that specificity back then. Maybe McGovern in 72. Um, but I, I'd never seen anything like that since, you know, following politics seriously in the last 35 years or so. And let's see, what do Goldwater and McGovern have in common when it comes to activities in November of an election year, Bill Crystal? Well, that's right. I mean, now of course, you know, people like me who've underestimated Trump, I suppose we need to have the caveat that maybe he'll, you know, just as he did in the Republican primary, convince a lot of independents and some Democrats to come around. And I know serious people. I was talking to someone, a longtime uh, politician in one of the big Midwestern states, which has normally gone Democratic in recent years, recent cycles, um, say, you know, maybe Trump would do better, actually, than a conventional Republican candidate in states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. So I guess it's not crazy, but I also think it's quite possible that he could make it to the nomination, uh, again, without a huge amount of money having been spent attacking him. Now people are finally stepping up. Rubio personally stepping up. His super PAC is, but it's awfully late, and it just began a few days ago. Uh, when the Democrats get through dumping hundreds of millions of dollars on exposing, and there's a lot to expose in his business career and things he said and groups he's offended, Trump could just collapse, and, I, and a third-party Republican could actually end up, I suspect, doing better than him. I, I've never... Anyway, the, the, the variance in outcomes uh, is, is really, and possible outcomes, is really amazing. But in the short term, we have a very important 
set of primaries tomorrow night, and uh, you know, let's see what happens there. Well, I was speaking to a longtime uh, Southern political uh, yesterday, and as soon as I heard you say the third-party thing, that's what he was obsessed with, conspiracy. All these conspiracies. Don't these Republicans, and you, he could insert parentheses like Bill Crystal, know that you've you, you forced you know, the, the grassroots to take their, their Bob Dole medicine and their John McCain medicine, and now it's your time to turn around, and he said it's, quote, insane to think that the party's going to do anything except for wholeheartedly endorse and support uh, Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Well, I mean... It's not obviously up to me. Uh, there are an awful lot of people who say at least they couldn't support Trump. Some of them would probably like someone to vote for it. If I were running for the Senate or the House or, or some other uh, Republican, uh, as a Republican, some other down ticket position, even at the state level, I would want there to be a, let's call it a conventional Republican, a, a, a conservative, uh, at the top of the ticket to draw out some people who would otherwise, I think, stay home if the choice were just uh, Trump and Hillary Clinton. So I actually think it would help down ticket. When Perot ran in 92, it was terrible for, for us. I was in the Bush White House then. But, you know, the Republicans did not lose. I think they gained a couple of House seats, actually. That was partly to mostly do, I think, to re- redistricting. But still, they didn't lose House seats. I don't think they lost Senate seats even. Uh, they were in a minority, so they, they had a lower you know the number to begin from. But it wasn't terrible for them. And why wasn't it terrible at the congressional level? Because Perot voters tended to vote Republican, a lot of them down ticket. So I think the same would be true about a third or fourth party. And so I don't agree that it would be bad for the party. I mean, people can say, you know, we should all pull together. But at some point, and I would, you know, obviously pull together behind almost literally every single other of the 17 Republicans who ran for president. You know, I am not a stickler on these things. I'm used to being a little disappointed by the candidates we get, but uh, not uh, not Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, and I've said it many times, and I've published it publicly, and I have a video of me signing the pledge that I will never, under any circumstances, vote for Donald Trump. And this is the 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 more that people articulate the point that asking me to vote for Donald Trump as a person, it has nothing to do with the ideology, the policies. I mean, Trump has no policies. He'll just, you know, he's just kind of there. He'll say one thing one day, one day the next. You're asking me to essentially violate my moral code by voting for him. I don't have a choice. You've left me out of the election. The Trump supporters become even more vociferous, they claim, and more insistent that, well, then he ought to be the nominee because he drives away people like you, Michael Graham. And I once again go back to, and how does that work in November? Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, but let's not let's not uh, throw in the towel quite yet, as Churchill as Churchill said more eloquently <laughs> than that. And um, we've got these, you know, the primaries tomorrow night are huge. I mean, uh, it's an obvious point, I guess, but one does tend to lose track a little bit of what's happening. It, you know, when they start coming so fast and furious, and well, there's one last week and there's one the week before. But those were one single states. Now we've got 12 states going on March 1st. It's about so there will, will have been 16 states that will have voted by Wednesday. So that's what a third of the states, uh, I think about a quarter, a little more than a quarter of the population. So now if Trump wins, I don't know, 10 or 11 out of 12, uh, it's going to be pretty, then things get really grim. It's one thing to have him to win three of the first four. That's, you know, they're only, it's only four states. But uh, so that's why it's important if, you, if you're in the anti and the stop Trump camp, or just important analytically anyway, if Trump, if Cruz can win Texas tomorrow and win the bulk of the delegates there, if Rubio can snatch Virginia or Minnesota, maybe Arkansas or Oklahoma, some state that uh, maybe Cruz would take Oklahoma. You know, it would look a lot different on Wednesday if Trump has won seven or eight of 12 states than 11 of 12 states. And also the delegate count will look a lot different if Trump is ahead, but not 
you know, doubling everyone else or tripling everyone else, which if you believe that CNN poll this morning, he could do. And that, of course, that would get pretty close to, you know, a last stand, I suppose, on March 8th and March 15th, and uh, in, in March 15th, especially in the winner-take-all states. But, um, yeah, so, so it's awfully, tomorrow night is a big moment for the, for the for 2016. But, Bill Crystal, do you think it's realistic to expect uh, a, a, a delegate spread to have an impact on where we move forward. The argument that the Trump people make is, look, it doesn't matter if, if for example, in Georgia, we end up just getting 30% of the vote and Rubio gets 27 and uh, and Cruz gets 22 uh, and we end up essentially splitting those 96 delegates. It doesn't matter. What matters is headline, NBC projects Trump winner. And if you have 10 or 11 of those, that that is going to cause more people to join Senator Jeff Sessions and Governor Chris Christie and mainstream Trump. And once Trump is mainstreamed, then it's done. And you could it doesn't matter what the delegate count is after that. He will become, in the minds of Republican primary voters, the presumptive nominee. I mean, I think that's, you know, half true. Obviously, having that check mark next to your name with in a lot of states is much better than not having it. But, uh, yeah, people aren't foolish and certainly the, the the delegate count will sink in over the next week after tuesday night and if it's kind of reasonably closed and trump is running at i don't know 40 45 percent of the delegates below a clear majority or just above a clear majority and if it's obvious that trump's losing florida and ohio let's say on tuesday the 15th would could catapult someone else up to close to even with him uh, and put him below that 50 percent trend line, you know, I think that's awfully different than having a situation where you almost can't, you have to do kind of miracle math to, to get another, to get Trump below 50% of the delegates ultimately for the convention. So no, I think the delegates matter. And I just think psychologically it makes a big difference if Trump wins, as you say, in a state like Georgia, you know, 32, 27, 23, if it looks sort of like that, or if it looks like 48, you right. know, 1950. I mean, I just think that's a, that's a, that is a, that's a meaningful difference. Better, I mean, having said that, winning is winning, right. of course, and that, and that's going to help Trump, assuming he wins the majority of the states and even the big majority of the states Tuesday night. But the margins matter and the delegates matter, I do think. Uh, the, a lot of uh, talk about how Marco Rubio has been campaigning since the Thursday night debate going after Donald Trump as a person. Lots of mockery, lots of comedy. I just want to say, as someone who used to pay my bills doing stand-up comedy full-time, uh, that Marco Rubio is a much better comedian than Donald Trump. Absolutely. Better material, better delivery. Uh, Trump is like the, uh, we, we'd see it at open mic night sometimes where a guy would get drunk and his friends would urge him onto stage to, <laughs> to thrash around. But there's a lot of talk about how Rubio's giving up the asset of looking presidential, that he's getting down in the you know mud and that's a, that's a lose-lose. Uh, what's your take, Bill? I think that talk is ridiculous, and it's what, in fact, paralyzed the Rubio campaign for what may in retrospect turn out to have been a decisive month or two months where they didn't really go after Trump. And, of course, no one else did either, and others even uh, went out they were bent over backwards to be accommodating to him. But, um, no, no, I mean, look, it's, uh, it is kind of rich for people who uh, have been excusing Donald Trump uh, or enjoying Donald Trump or normalizing Donald Trump to then get offended when Rubio gives him one-tenth of his own medicine. And I think what's impressive about Rubio is he does it with a smile. He seems to be enjoying himself. I think he looks like he feels liberated. And I don't think people are going to be uh, turning away from Rubio because of what he's saying. And, I, and, and the liberals in the media who are cluck clucking that oh this is such a low level of debate i mean really uh let's let's get you know serious this is a serious race and one of the issues is the character and the record of the person of the people running for president of the united states and if rubio can dramatize that a little bit by 
uh, you know, being a little more colorful in describing Trump's character and record. There's no problem with that. And then one last thing. Uh, watch the the uh, the the word that I'm getting is that there are a bunch of members of Congress who are already preparing there how I'm going to endorse Donald Trump. <laughs> literature. They're crafting their statement. And if there's a huge uh, perceived win for Trump on Tuesday, that next week you have a bunch of people jump on board. Is that going to happen? And uh, more to the point for you, Bill, is, is there something that the Republican leadership should be doing to discourage that? Obviously, Mitch McConnell doesn't want it. He said so expressly. I assume uh, Speaker Ryan doesn't want it. Should Republicans just be able to jump on board a candidate that many people believe is you know, wildly damaging to their own party without any consequence from the leadership? I think a lot of stuff is going to happen, maybe even today or tomorrow, but certainly after Tuesday night, one way or the other. That is, I think, for example, I'm told by people who are close to people in the Trump uh, orbit, Mm -hmm. that he may well pull out of the debate Thursday night, the Fox News debate in Detroit Thursday night, assuming he does well Tuesday, um, and simply will say, look, I'm the prohibitive, I'm the nominee. Uh, These debates are just divisive at this point. There's no point having them anyway. I'm standing on stage with people who can't win, and I'm not showing up, which presumably would be in Trump's interest. That would hurt him a little if he didn't show up in Iowa, probably, but uh, on the other hand, given his performance in those recent debates, maybe it's safer for the front-runner to find an excuse to avoid debates. I think the whole question of what does Paul Ryan say, what does Mitt Romney say, what are other people who have, you know, so whatever one thinks of them individually and however good or bad they were as national candidates, you know, have some standing to as leaders of the party. What do they say over the next week? It's interesting. Do other governors following Christie's lead? There have been rumors about that. So I, I think, yeah, we tend to look ahead and sort of not factor in all the all the bouncing balls that that could that will start bouncing pretty feverishly. I should think. I think people probably will wait till Tuesday night, mostly to just kind of see what happens and how how well Trump does. But it could be pretty pretty uh, pretty wild in the week or two after that. And which is once again why we turn to Winston Churchill in these dark times. The good news is it's in the hands of the voters, one way or the other. If the voters of uh, of the March first states turn out and keep Christie and uh, excuse me, keep Cruz and Rubio in the race, they can absolutely keep those campaigns alive. But if they don't, and the Trump team Trump swamps them, it's very very different uh, map. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and I look forward to talking to you. I think after Tuesday night's results. I look forward to it, Michael. Thanks.